Um, you can be open your Bibles to Matthew 28. Last night, uh, there was a bees feast at, at uh, Wayne Hills uh, Baptist Church, and uh, uh, I, I was privileged to go. About 10, 12 of our guys uh, got to go last night, and uh, it, it was exciting, and they had a chili cook-off, which I was unaware of, but thankfully, uh, Chris Cowley was, and uh, he brought home the trophy. Yeah, uh, uh, there were like 13 or 15 uh, different chilies. There was an alligator chili, which came in second. And, uh, and they gave each man 10 beans, and you could try the chilies and then vote. And so uh, most of us gave all of our beans uh, to Chris, but um, that wasn't uh, why he won. He had this big old iron pot, and it was apple and maple wood. Apple and hickory wood, he cooked it outdoors. His sons helped him uh, prepare the food to cook. So I told Pastor Jamie, I'm sorry we're taking your trophy home to Calvary. Um, but, uh, but it was all glued together, uh, but Elijah said his sister dropped it. But anyway, 2020 Beast Feast champion. So uh, I just wanted you to know, uh, yeah, our guys, they rule. So that's awesome. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, Pastor uh, Bobby told you that uh, tonight we're doing uh, uh, CTI classes and we have a men's group. We started last week. So if you're a guy and you want to get involved and you weren't here, don't worry about it. Come on tonight uh, because uh, we can take care and help ca catch up if you need to. But um, it's great. It's a, it's a series called the 33 series. I, I asked the guys, I said, I'll give you one guess as to why it's called 33. And somebody guessed it right off. Because that's how old Jesus was when he died. Exactly. It's, uh, it's, it's about everything Jesus taught us. He taught us for. He's 33. So if you're, if you're young, don't despair. If you're old, you've outlived uh, as long as the Lord was here. So, uh, you know, how, how busy have you been for him? But, uh, but just come back tonight. Ladies, there's a Bible study for you. And uh, they outgrew the room they were in. Tonight, they'll be meeting in the coffee shop. Um, if you don't know where that is, it's the last building that way and upstairs, and you get that close, somebody will help you. Uh, so uh, uh, you just come on, and we'll help you find your way. I'm so excited to be here uh, with you this morning. We're, this morning, we're preaching on the mission of the Great Commission. And uh, I was sharing that with uh, Bobby Sims this morning, and he said, he gave me a different title. Uh, he said one of his favorite things is, it's a C, not an O. <laughs> it's a commission, not an omission, Okay. And uh, I thought, man, that was really good. So uh, I, put, I scribbled that in my notes there because I thought that was really good. That, that, uh, and, and in many churches, the Great Commission is omitted. It is, it is not there. Um, there is an omission in the Great Commission in many churches, and that is the two little words, to obey. That's in there, right? In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, teaching them to obey. We as Baptists love to teach, but we never teach for obedience. We just teach for knowledge so many times. And uh, that's not a blanket condemnation, but it happens in a lot of places, a lot of times. And, and teaching should result in something happening. So if you'll stand with me, we'll read this Great Commission again. It's only three verses. I'm going to stay there today. And I'll confess, when I, when I was writing up this sermon, I had a ton of notes and a ton of outline, and it was complicated even for me, and I wrote it down. And, uh, and so I got some help, and I got it a little bit uh, more precise. So I hope that uh, I can, uh, don't have to speak as fast, but we'll, we'll get through all of this well today. In verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe 
all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I just thank you in Jesus' name for the Great Commission. Uh, Lord, we, we read it, we study it, we pray about it, we talk about it a lot, but we rarely do it. And so, Lord, we pray that today we will change that and, and that uh, in knowing it, we'll do it. We pray that you open our spiritual eyes, that we can behold wonderful things out of your uh, word. And God, that today you will bring conviction to our heart, you'll bring action to our feet, and that, Lord, we would speak out uh, for you, but not, there's more there than that. And so as we cover all the things that are there today, I, I ask once again, Lord Jesus, that you would uh, just reveal through the Holy Spirit the truth of what you told us, and uh, that all of this will glorify the Father in the name of the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you can sit down um, if you want to. And, and indeed, most of the times you've ever heard this talked about, it's used that you ought to be a witness, that you ought to be witnessing. And, and, and I believe that's true. But we say that so much that we have dumbed down what evangelism is to me talking to somebody about Jesus. Now, that is a good thing, by the way. Now, anything you're doing is better than anything somebody else is not doing. Right? And, and I say that about myself. I like the way you do it better than the way I don't do it. So, so that's, that's wonderful. So I, I don't want you to, I'm not trying to put you under law, but what I do want you to see is as a church, there is an all-encompassing uh, uh, a process and plan here that we need to see. Now, uh, just to help us locate ourselves well, a couple of weeks ago we started, we started in Matthew 22, which we call the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so that involves worship and ministry. And then this is the last three of the things the church ought to be doing. And it involves telling people, bringing people in to faith in Christ, making them part of the fellowship, and teaching them how to obey all the things that, we, uh, that, 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 that Christianity is all about. And so we, we have little words for that. One is evangelism. The second one there is fellowship. The third one is discipleship. Here uh, we, we like to say it uh, that found people find people that everyone needs others, and that changed people grow, okay? That just helps you uh, kind of locate it together. But the, the word commission doesn't appear in this text. And I, and I really kind of didn't even think about that. I mean, we just, everybody knows it's the Great Commission. So what's the Great Commission? Everybody would quote Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, and, and that's good. So where does that word come from? And this morning as we were praying together over the scripture, uh, Brother Doug uh, Campbell uh, just brought up about the word commission, uh, uh, both in his prayer and just as we were talking. And, and, and it made me think, so I looked up the word commission, and, and what was in my head really came to light, at, at, at one of the illustrations of the definition. But a commission is when somebody in authority gives you the authority to go do a task or a mission. Co-mission, you are commissioned to go do the mission. Now, what do we call any officer in our military? a commissioned officer. He acts on behalf of the power of the United States government. He is authorized by a greater power to do a certain task. You follow me? Okay, so that's why verse 18 was so important. All authority is on earth. You go, therefore. You see, this is more than just a commission. It's really a mindset, and actually, it is... A nature that we're to have. We're to have the nature of, hey, 
I've been commissioned by God Almighty to take Jesus to everybody in the world. Now, as I said that, it just hit me that I was saying it because I, I really wanted to make a different point. And that is, I was saying it as if it was to me personally. And it is. And it's to you personally. But it is to the church. Okay, I, I, I have this later to say, but I'm going to say it now. All of us are supposed to be involved in that. Now, notice what I said, be involved in that. That doesn't mean we all have to do the same thing the same way. But we are all to be involved in sharing Christ with other people and what that means. And, and uh, I'm, I'm battling in my mind. I, I don't know whether to go to my outline or go ahead and say this and then go to the outline and come back to it. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Not everybody can go like I go. I can't go like you go. I didn't say you go or Hugo. I said you go, okay? Not everybody can, I can't go like you do it and you can't do it like I do it. I, I use this illustration a lot in a former church. Um, I, I believe we ought to visit our visitors. If you're a visitor today, I, I will hope we, we'll get to come by your house and just say hi. And, and I believe we ought to bring a gift. And I said that in this other church. We started going out visiting everybody visit us. And this lady came up to me and she said, I make homemade bread every week. And I can make so many, I can spare three of those loaves and give them to the church to take to our visitors. Well, back then we barely had three visitors a week. And I said, sure, that's great. She did that for over 20 years. If I ever said her name in public, she would fuss at me. She didn't want to be recognized. And for goodness sake, don't ask her to get up and say anything. But I'll tell you this, the visitors were praying, the, the people that went visiting were praying that nobody was home. Because <laughs> they'd steal the bread. It was that good. So we had to spank their hands and say, no, we're going to put it in the freezer. We're going to get it back to them another time. You don't know, I can't count the number of people that came back and said, if I sign another visitor card, do I get another loaf of bread? <laughs> it was so good. And here's my question. In eternity, was she part of the Great Commission? Absolutely. To have a verbal witness to a stranger, that would have scared her into a heart attack. Not that she didn't try it and try to do it. But I'm just telling you, that wasn't her nature. You see, it is the job of the church. And your job may be to be hospitable. Your job may be to encourage someone. Your job may be, I came in, Ms. Barr was holding my grandbaby. And I took her and Ms. Barr went on to do something else. Your job may be to hold somebody's baby or grandbaby so mom or grandmom can go do whatever they got to do for a few minutes. Whatever. It, it may be, you know, something you do. You may cook the biscuits. You may make the bread. You may do something that, well, that's not, you, you're not a witness. You're not like Billy Graham out there preaching to thousands. No, but you are part of... The Great Commission. Thank you. And you are authorized. And if you do it, everything you do ought to be as to the Lord, right? And if you do your gift as unto the Lord, then you do it to your best of your ability. You're doing it for the sake of the Great Commission. You know you're helping. You may... Listen, we, we always say, well, all we can do now is pray. Are you kidding me? That is the greatest thing we can do. We ought to do that first. That ought to be the, the main thing we do is pray. And then when we go, the job's a lot easier, <laughs> frankly, because we've asked God to lead us and to be there, and, and he, he goes with us anyway. So I, I want to look at these verses for a minute, and I'm going to break them apart. I'm sorry I have to sip so much. If you were here Friday night for the uh, prayer meeting, 
I didn't have anything to drink, and my mouth got so dry I looked drunk trying to talk. It was just like stuck in there. And uh, so uh, I just, I take a medicine for condition because it stops my salivary glands and I can't talk. So I always explain that because I feel weird drinking in front of y'all so much. Drinking water in front of y'all so much. <laughs> well, we, we read this. Here, here's the first thing I, I would like to tell you. And, and, I, and I hope you take notes on this. You need to replicate yourself. See, that's, that's why we don't want to witness. Because we know we're not a good witness. And I don't mean that we don't know how to talk. I mean, we don't know how to live. Right? Paul said in Corinthians, imitate me like I imitate Jesus. Now, are you willing to tell somebody that? Oh, you need to know how to be, to be a Christian? Watch how I live and then live like me. That's really the standard of the Bible. And I think nobody in here would be probably be brave enough to say, oh yeah, I got it all right. I do everything right. Paul said it, and I'm sure he knew he had some errors in his, in his life, and probably there were some people that dared to tell him that. But, but his point would have been this, the way I follow Christ, the way you ought to follow Christ. And I think we all ought to live that way. And so the very first word of the actual commission, after Jesus says he has all authority, he says, go, therefore. And a lot's been made of the word go, and it should be, but I want you to understand that is the only command in these scriptures. And the other things support the command. They're part of the command. But that word go, and here's how we always use it, is you ought to be a missionary. You ought to be a pastor. You ought to do this or that. It is you ought to dedicate yourself to going. And there's a sense and that's right. But the word is actually saying, as you're going out, as you're leaving here, as you walk around, make disciples. It ought to be the consuming passion of our life. It ought to be what we're always thinking about. Whenever you meet somebody, do you think that person's either lost or saved? I can't say I always think that. I, I used to have a Bible I carried, and in the front of that Bible, I still got that Bible up there in my study, and, it, and in the front I wrote, Dear God, ne let me never get used to people going to hell. Amen. And I'm afraid sometimes we get used to it. I get used to it. But I, I want that to be a prayer. And so... He says, to, as you're going, uh, is how it's been translated. It's a little stronger than as you're going, but it's, but it's not just, you need to go. <laughs> it's as you go, because you got to go. You know, sort of like at the end of a meeting when people say, you don't have to go home, but you got to leave. Well, you got to leave. You may not go to the mission field. You may not be a pastor of a church, but you got to leave. You got to go out. You got to go somewhere. And as you're going, as you meet people, make disciples out of them. Because... Guess what? I can't know everybody you know. I can't reach everybody you can reach. And so the making of disciples, we always use it just for the salvation part. And the other two things help talk about how that we uh, teach and encourage them to be a full rounded Christian. But he says, as you're going, create disciples. Now, a disciple is different than a church member. And a disciple is different than somebody just prays to get, you know... Fire insurance. I started to say hell insurance, but that's what I meant. But I'll call it fire insurance. I don't want to get caught in the fire. Now, anybody want to get burned? I mean, anybody here want to volunteer to get burned? No. So why would you not mind whether or not you're going to hell? I mean, because that's an eternity of burning. A few years ago, about four years ago now, I guess, it was a hot August and, and we left church and we were coming home. Two exits to where we could get to. And Janice took the first one, and I decided to go to the second one. We were riding behind each other because 
As most pastors' families, we come in two different cars every week. Not so much here, but we used to a lot. So she turned off, and I said, I'm just going to go this way, see if it's, you know, slower, faster, how much. Because one way kind of winding around, one way it's more direct. And as I came over this little hump in the, in the roadway, it's no big mountains, obviously, on the coast. That's where we were. But for whatever reason, the, it kind of did that. And as I came over, there was a car in the left lane, fully engulfed in fire. Now, I don't know about you, but the way I'm put together is I got to stop and see what I can do. Pulled over, and, and I won't tell you the whole story, but it was a very tragic thing. Um, and, but I only tell you that to tell you this. I don't want to tell you all, all the rest of that. But I tell you that to tell you this. All of a sudden, my prayer was, I didn't want anybody to get hurt or die. But I was praying, dear God, don't make me have to reach into that burning car and pull somebody out. Because I didn't want to get burned. I mean, I don't think I could have put that aside. I would have been scared to do that. Because if you do that, you're going to get hurt. It's going to be scar tissue and a lot of time of healing. If anything's left. And I didn't have to reach in. The person was out of the car. She was burned, but not so much to die. And somebody, I don't even know, firefighter, off-duty, saw it, had stopped. And he said, Pastor, and I don't even know who he was. He said, Pastor Stewart. That lady needs help, and so I tried to help her. But that's the short story of it. But, but, but I'm just saying, why would you want anybody to get to burn for eternity? I mean, if I can have compassion on somebody in a burning car, shouldn't we have compassion on people who spend eternity burning in hell? Yeah, but we don't think that way, do we? We don't think about, well, they may be going to hell. And so as you go, you're supposed to be making disciples. That's salvation. The command is to go. The rest supports it. And you see, when we go to make disciples, you've got to not only replicate yourself, help them look like you, because you ought to be living like they ought to be living. You've got to remove yourself. Now, it's just a way to make it be alliterated, but what I mean is you've got to die to yourself. You've got to remove yourself sometimes from your home. Maybe not always, but there are some he calls to go to all the nations, because that's... In Acts 1.8, he says, you'll be a witness, Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost ends of the earth, right? Remember, it's, it's more than a mindset. It's, it's also in our DNA. We, are, we ought to be concerned for every lost person in the world. Just today in our new members class, I was showing the, the circles of commitment. And the largest circle, the one on the outside, is the uncommitted. And I always make this statement. There are about 7 billion people in the world that are uncommitted to Calvary Baptist Church in Stanton. You ever thought about that? About 5 billion of them are uncommitted to Christ. There are about 5 billion, rough numbers, as we speak, going to hell. Now, your job is to find the ones closest to you and start there. I'm sure you've heard those tales when the new guy, be some kind of rescue person and the ship has gone down. And the guy goes, where do we start? And says, grab the closest one to you and work through it. You just save the first one you can and keep going. That's, that's how it works, right? And so we're to go to all the nations, but here is all nations. When he said that, he was in Jerusalem. I've been in Jerusalem. Anybody been in Jerusalem? He's standing on the Mount of Olives, looking down at the eastern gate in the city of Jerusalem, and he tells them to go to all nations. Well, we're about as far from there almost as you can get. Not quite. You can go a little bit further and be further away from us. So we are all nations. Where you are is all nations. You are already a missionary. 
from this commission to a foreign country from this commission. It might be your home country, but it's a foreign commission, a foreign country from the commission. And so don't think, oh, you know, those missionaries that go out. We are the go out. We are out on the outpost. And now it's kind of switched. Now some of those places are the far reaches and, and we got to go from here to get there. And so you have to set aside your will for the will of God. You've got to set aside your desires in your life for the will of God in your life. You see, God's desire is that we all be in one body of belief and obedience. That we're all in the church. That everybody in the church is together in one belief in Christ and obedience to what he commanded. And just to help you understand how it works in church, because I think we, we don't quite get this sometimes. We don't think about it consciously. They say this a lot. If you've already got it, just pray for the person next to you. If you never heard this, listen closely. In your life, the people you talk to on any regular basis, your circle of influence is about 60 people. If you're a pastor and you have to take care of people, your limit is 120, 125. Period. Because one human can't do stuff for any more than that. So what does that mean? That means people that say, well, I don't like a big church. I like a little church. If your church is over 60 people, you can't know everybody. You may know their name. You may see them at a distance. But you will only have fellowship with 60 people. That includes your family, people you work with, and all that. So that reduces the number at church anyway. Here, let me illustrate this. When I was a kid, I, I tell you all before, we'd go to Shoney's after church. It was up Rivers Avenue from where we live, about 20 minutes up. And at night, Sunday night, you have Sunday night service. And once you're out of the youth group, now you've got to go find something to do, right, after church. Because we used to have youth group after church. And, and, and so you'd say, hey, we're going to Shoney's. You want to go to Shoney's? Yeah. Hey, we're going to Shoney's. Y'all want to go? Yeah, yeah. And it'd be about 30, 40, 50, sometimes 60 people go to Shoney's. We'd fill the restaurant. And we'd go in there in this great. And I'd sit at the table and I'd talk to the person across from me all night. There could be 50 people in there. I'm talking to that one. Maybe that one and that one would join in, but they're probably talking. So really, if 60 people went, only 30 people had fellowship with the other 30. But we always want to be together. We always want all of us to be in a big group. The bigger you get, the smaller you got to get. Guess what? Don't tell anybody. That's why we do Sunday school. Amen. So you can know everybody in your group. That's why we try to find affinity in there. It could be over anything, but within our Sunday school class, there should be some affinity, be it age or interest or, you know, being men or women or whatever it might be. And, and, and so in that small group that you can build some fellowship and then guess what? It's easier to do the ministry part because the worship and the ministry is what the church does for the church. This is what we do for the rest of the world. You with me? So many times in my life, and if this happened to you here, please don't come beat me up later. I'm telling you, this has happened everywhere I've been for the past 40 plus years. Hey, we've been missing you. Where you been? Well, I was sick. And nobody called me or came to see me. And I was down for six weeks. Really? What Sunday school class are you in? Well, I don't go to Sunday school. You know, there's about 300 people in here right now. Maybe less, maybe a little bit more. I don't know who's not here. It's too many of y'all. By the way, I can only know about 60 of you anyway. <laughs> and only minister about 120 of you. So there's some people and you go, 
And every once in a while I'll go, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so lately. And I'll ask somebody, oh, yeah, they're there. Okay, good. Because I can't, I can't. But if I'm in a group of 10 or 15 or 20 in a Sunday school class, I know when somebody is in pain and need. And if it's a larger need, then you can call for more help outside the class if you need it, right? Miss, Miss Bishop just had, you know, she broke her foot. And she's had surgery. And I, I saw him in the hospital and, and I said, Johnny, do, do y'all need, you know, we'd be glad to bring y'all a meal or something. He said, please, no, no more. The ladies in her class had just been bringing food like crazy. And, the, you know, and that's so wonderful. That's how it ought to be. You don't need everybody. You need some people to be together. And so we become people of influence. And so if we got a thousand people, we got to break it down to small groups of people. So we get together as women or as men or as families or as couples or, you know, in Sunday school classes, the best and easiest way to do that. But we can have, you know, a meeting at a restaurant every one morning a week, you know, and go through a Bible study there or one evening in a home or whatever it might be. You can, you can get together and, and, and do this kind of thing. So you got to remind yourself of something because the three things there, don't forget, is you go and you bring them into the fellowship and you do that as best in a smaller group. You know, join the church, but we need to get them in a smaller group. I, I, I used to say this a lot and I, I'll say it again because I still believe it. If you told me I can come to Sunday school or church, I'd say go to Sunday school. Because that's where you're going to get ministry and you can minister. I've been coming from the selfish end. Listen, you want to do something for people? Get in a Sunday school class. There'll be plenty of people in there who need something. And you can help them. You can minister to them. And that's where you ought to be. And that's where you ought to be doing it. I, I want you to be at both. But if for whatever reasons, health, time, whatever, go to Sunday school. That's where you need. That's really where you need to be. And as we get part of that fellowship, because fellowship means we help each other look like Jesus. It's not just having a casserole and a meeting. Fellowship is when we help each other look like Jesus, when we are invested in each other's lives. Then we can begin to disciple people. We can help them to obey everything he commanded. So when the church at large says, hey, we're going to do Fall of Palooza, what is your Sunday school class going to do? What's your Sunday school class do? What's your Sunday school class? You see how this works? You say, that's just not biblical preaching. Y'all just be tell us what the Word says. Well, I'm telling you how the Word gets lived out in a church. Remember, we also do this individually. Remember? together and by ourselves. So you ought to be witnessing by yourself. You ought to be where you can, meeting with people and having fellowship with people and trying to help them be more like Christ. And hopefully you get with someone who helps you look more like Jesus as well. You say, that sounds like an awful lot. Yes, it does. In fact, let me just go ahead and admit it. It's impossible. You can't do it. I'll just go ahead and tell you. That's, it can't be done. So... You say, what are you saying, preacher? We're going to close the church? No. Look at, look at the last verse. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We are in the last age. There's coming an end. My wife read Revelation. We just finished a Revelation study with my nephew and sister and brother-in-law and niece and she and I. And, and uh, she was reading out of Revelation 5 there where, Stop weeping for the line of the tribe of Judah. Whew. I know why she wept because we've gotten to the end of the book <laughs> where it says God now lives with his people. 
That's what we're saying, right? God is now. He's with us now, but there's coming a time where he's coming back and he is going to talk about fellowship. You see, I, I just believe that in that glorified body, it's going to be an uncountable multitude according to Revelation and we'll know everybody. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work. I think we can have fellowship with all billions and billions and billions. I don't know how that works. Do you know how that works? No, you don't. I mean, either. I don't know how it works. But I believe it's going to work. I believe Shoney's is going to be, it's okay. You can talk to everybody, you know. I just don't know. But I think we're all going to have the same purpose. And that's to worship the Lamb and glory of the Father and the power of the Spirit. Listen, if, if, if you don't like worship, maybe you ought not get saved. Because we're going to be doing a lot of that in heaven. God goes with you. And you're never alone because you can't do it alone. This church can't do it alone. We need other churches. You as an individual can't do it alone. You need your brothers and sisters around you. And a group of churches can't do it alone. We need the entire body of Christ around the world. And when these people are being martyred in, in North Korea and, and, and in Africa and many places and in the Middle East and so many places where Christians and more besides that, that where they are persecuted and on a regular basis put to death, that should hurt this part of the body. Because you can't stub your toe without your brain feeling it. Right? So no matter what part of the body you're in, when the part of the body hurts, you ought to hurt with them. And our ministry goes way beyond our doors. Well, what can you do about all this? First of all, evaluate how you live. Do you want to replicate that in other people? We were kind of talking about raising in another place this morning. And I said, children... Our disappointment in two ways. And that is when they are nothing like you and when they're exactly like you. <laughs> I, I say that very facetiously, as you know. Because when you see yourself in them, you realize, ooh, I wish they hadn't got that part. Because Adam fell and all of us born... In the line of Adam since then have been born, broken, and fallen. And it takes the sacrifice of Christ who came in the form of broken man. In a real body. But he was perfect. But he didn't look perfect. He still looked like a broken body. But he lived out his life and he never sinned. And so we know that. And he took that form, that Adam form... And he nailed it to a cross. And three days later, something else came out of the tomb. It was that same body, but it was a glorified body. It was the body in which he hung on the cross. It was the body in which he ate and dined with the disciples and fed multitudes and healed the sick and raised the dead. But it's that same body that went to a cross and was pierced. And we know that because a week later when he shows up at church in the upper room and Thomas the week before said, I ain't going to believe it until I stick my finger in the holes. And Jesus goes, hey, Thomas. Come here, man. <laughs> and he, Thomas just fell down and said, My Lord, my God. And Jesus said, You believe because you saw me? Bless people that don't see me and believe. Right? Well, do you want to replicate yourself in others? When a disciple gets that bad part of me, ugh, oh, that's rough. I hope they'll be better than me. But friend, so I need to live better, right? And so do you. And then we need to replicate in other people. Secondly, are you willing? Because the act of the will. I, I had a phone call this week from somebody close to me. 
and he was repenting of a sin. And he, and he had told me all about it. And he called me back later and he said, I'm worried about something. I didn't feel anything. Like I didn't cry. And I said, let me quote the wisest man in the world. The road to repentance is already slippery and it's only made more slippery by tears. Because repentance is the act of my will, not of my emotion. Emotion may enter it just because we have that in us. But will you? Notice how I wrote it. Are you willing to ask God to have his will in your life no matter what? No matter the cost, no matter what he asks you to do, are, will you will to God that that happens? If you're saved, you've got a redeemed will, and so you can exercise your will to the glory of God now because it's been redeemed. It's a hard question, and only you can answer it. Number three, share Jesus Christ with one person and watch God show himself to you. When you, when you start, I have never talked to anybody I wasn't scared for started. I, I, I can say that honestly. You, you won't believe it because I talk to people a lot. I, I'll meet somebody and, Jan, you know, two minutes later I'll come over and Jan say, well, what about them? Oh, well, they're from here and this is their husband's name and they did this. I'll know a lot about it because I'll just start talking to them. But it always scares me to start. But once I start, it's cool. It happens. And so I just want to challenge you. Tell somebody about what Lord's done in your life this week. And watch God show up and show off. Because he'll do it if you do that at his command and with his grace.